Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. We'll be looking at verses 27 and 28. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation. Well, here we have in this text both bad news and good news. It's appointed for men once to die. There's some bad news for us here. It's a sobering thought. Everyone knows this, but not everyone thinks rightly about it. Uh, How most people quote with this knowledge is uh, basically uh, not now. I know it has to happen someday, but it won't be now, and they put it out of their minds. They try to convince themselves that the time of death is a long time away. They block the thought of their own impending death by refusing to think about it. And so they busy themselves and they are committed to busyness to keep their minds off of it. Entertainment, sports, work, you name it. Uh, There are many distractions to keep us from thinking about ultimate issues and the ultimate issue of death. And uh, the devil and the enemy of our souls would have it to be so. And in our day and age, it's amazing how many things we have to distract us. All the, uh, all the uh, devices we have, the social media, and the different ways people have to busying themselves all the time, every minute of every hour of every day, without a single serious thought about their souls every day. And uh, I know my, one of my daughters uh, was going to take some college courses here a few years ago, and she was telling me she, you know, walked up to the college, walked into the college. She never saw one person's face once. Everybody was on their phone. Every single one of them, she said, was on their phone. She was just amazed. But uh, but that's that's the way it is. Uh, but most people <clears throat> now. I don't say that we should have a, a preoccupation with death and judgment. We shouldn't go around with long faces all the time thinking, well, we're going to die, we're going to die. But it is foolish to know that it's coming and to do nothing to prepare for it. But most people don't have any idea what they should do to prepare for death, which is another reason for their putting it out of their minds. So they feel like there's nothing I can do about it anyway, so why even think about it? Well, let's consider, first of all, that it is appointed. It says it is appointed for men. To die. Uh, death is something that is appointed contrary to what uh, the world would say about the cycle of life. If you go to a funeral home or uh, many uh, doctor's offices, they'll talk, if they have a pamphlet on death, they'll talk about how it's a natural thing and just a part of the cycle of life. But that's not true. It's not the cycle of life that God had intended for mankind. Man, God made us upright, and He did not make us to die. He made our bodies with uh, that they should live forever. And even, even modern science can actually verify this when the fact that they talk about how our cells reproduce and, and how, uh, I don't know how, many, how long it takes for every cell in your body to be exchanged out for a new one. 
And obviously, if they were exchanged out for a new one that was just every bit as good as the old one, uh, then there wouldn't be any uh, possibility for us to age. But the fact that we have an aging process built into our very structure in our cellular system is uh, evidence that we weren't intended for this, for death in the first place, but we weren't intended to die. Uh, imagine life without the aging process and without disease or with death. Well, that's what God intended for us to begin with. Uh, but something happened. Sin entered in. Do you remember the first time that you realized that there was something terribly wrong with the world? The first time that it dawned on you that you needed to die? You know, some of you children, it's happened to you fairly recently. And you know what it's like, children, to face that fact that that you too must die someday. And it's a sobering thought, isn't it, children? It's a it can be it's difficult to think about that, and sometimes we as adults take it for granted but uh but there's a lot of children that don't take it for granted because they've been living their life in happy land, and the thought of death is very traumatic for them but uh the best way to minister to them is not to ignore the matter but to deal with it head on with the Word of God. Well, uh sin has ruined everything. It's changed mankind's intended happiness into many sorrows. Our health and our sickness, um, uh, it's changed our health into sickness, I should say. Um, and, uh, you know, just a little bit of time passes over us and our bodies shrivel, much like a flower that shrivels uh, from uh, as it uh, loses its bloom. And I think about my own life. I think it just seems like just yesterday. I was a young man. I was known for being a young man, being strong and fast and all that. And I'm none of those things anymore. It seems like I woke up one day and all of a sudden I wasn't anymore. All of a sudden I'm an old man. It happens quickly, more quickly than we realize. And then we die. God has passed his ominous sentence upon us all and he has appointed us all to death. Romans 5.12, therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sin. In Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Adam and all of his descendants were sentenced to death a long, long time ago. And this is one appointment that we will keep. You know, I miss appointments sometimes. Uh, my phone now, they got this modern technology. I miss fewer appointments because I got a secretary right there in my pocket to tell me about this appointment. But sometimes we'll miss appointment or sometimes we got an appointment we'd like to miss and then we maybe miss it a little bit on purpose. Well, here's an appointment you're not going to miss. I guarantee you're not going to, you're not going to uh, put it off uh, a moment, not one moment. You will keep this date with death. Um, you know, life is busy, but uh, it's never too busy to miss our appointment with death. Um, think of the rich farmer in uh, the book of Luke, chapter 12. Remember what he said? He said, you know, he had the big harvest and he said, he said to his soul, he said, soul, take thine ease, eat, drink and be merry. And uh, uh, you have many goods for many years. Eat, drink and be merry. And I think of uh, this generation and 
and how uh, we have such better health care than we used to have and all that. And so people that turn 65, they turn 65 or 67 or whatever the retirement age is, and they and they live for that day, and they uh, they think, uh, boy, now I can retire and just have a, a great time. And and they live, a lot of people in our day live for that uh, that time. And I think that in their inward thought for many of them is eat, drink, and be merry. I have many goods. I have a great 401k plan. I have a good, I have a good retirement program. I have a good nest egg, and and they uh, they put a little bumper sticker on the back of their RV. You know, I'm spending my children's inheritance. Uh, philosophy, by the way, that I think is from the devil. I think that's very horrible philosophy. But they, but it's much much like this rich farmer. But what did God say to him? He said, "You fool." That's what God said. He said, "You fool." This very night. Your soul will be required of you, and then whose will those things be for which you have laid up? And uh, he put death far away from him in his mind, in his imagination, just like so many people do today. But but it will find us out. Uh, death will seek us out wherever we are. We can't hide from it. There's uh, no place on the earth we can hide from it. Uh, and it will seek us out whether we're in a mansion or we're in... We're in a, a, a slum. Uh, God will, uh, death will find us out. So that's bad news, isn't it? Bad news. But it isn't bad enough news yet. It gets worse because it says it's appointed to men wants to die. But after this, the judgment. The judgment. Well, <clears throat> judgment day. The day of days. The day for which all other days were made. Judgment Day. If the consideration of death is a sobering thought, the consideration of standing before a holy God is even more sobering. And as death has been appointed, so this also has been appointed. Uh, we are appointed to Judgment Day. Uh, Luke 12, 4 and 5 says this, And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he is killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Uh, it's a sobering thought. Uh, so many live as though that day would never come, or as though God is not a God to be feared. Uh, that he's not an all-consuming fire, as the book of Hebrews tells us. But you cannot avoid this appointment with judgment any more than your appointment with death. It's awaiting each and every one of us. We must face judgment. Matthew 12, 36, Jesus said that on that day, God will judge every idle word. Every idle word. Just think uh, of every idle word. Think of every blasphemous word that's uttered in this city every day. But every even every idle word will be judged. Isaiah 59, 7, their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. So even our thoughts are visible to God and our very motives are visible to God and he will judge them. Romans 2.16 speaks of God judging the secrets of men. Do you have secrets? Well, you have no secrets that God doesn't know about. He'll judge even the secrets of men. And I venture to say that there are those listening to this message right now. They're doing things, saying things, thinking things that you hope that no one ever finds out about. 
You'd be embarrassed beyond measure if anyone else could know about these secret things. Well, let me tell you something. Your hopes are in vain because the only one, the one that matters the very most knows all of your secret things. Um, uh, verse First uh, uh, Peter chapter 4 says this, says, uh, for it is time for judgment to begin with the, house, with, with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? I think of that song. It says, at his call, the dead awaken, rise to life from earth and sea, all the powers of nature shaken, by his looks, prepare to flee. Careless sinner, what will then become of thee? So, bad news. So, we've considered the bad news and the worst news, but I am very, very glad that the text does not end there. Aren't you? I'm really glad it doesn't end there. Because he goes on to say, so... Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Now, here's good news indeed. Here's the best news that a sinner has ever heard. There is no better news than this. That's why the gospel means good news. God in his mercy and in his grace has not left us without hope. He took pity upon fallen man. And he made for us a way of restoration and victory over death and a way to avoid condemnation when we're judged. And I'm glad to be able to say that God would rather show mercy than judgment. This is the nature of God. You know, I'm really encouraged when I think about when Moses requested uh, sometime in the next century when Daniel gets to Exodus chapter 20 or uh, chapter uh, 33, uh, be a while, uh, but I'll give you a preview here. And Moses asked God. He said, "God, I I want to I want to see your glory." He asked the big question. I want to see your glory, and that was a good question that he asked. I mean, he he had a good ambition. He wanted to see the glory of God. Don't you want to see the glory of God? He said, "Please show me your glory." In Exodus thirty three eighteen, um, but God said, God answered him in verse twenty. He said. You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. Here's a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. And so it shall be, while my glory passes by, that I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. And then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Now, there are all kinds of anthropomorphisms there. And anthropomorphism, of course, is God taking upon himself the form of a man. We know that God doesn't have hands. We know he doesn't have a face. We know he doesn't have a back. So this is all shrouded in mystery. How did, what did God do? He, basically, he let God, he, he let Moses see basically his afterglow. Couldn't see his glory face on, because he said, if you see my glory face on, you can't live. No mortal man can do that. But you get to see my afterglow. And we know that afterwards Moses had to cover his face with a veil because his face shone so much afterwards. Um, now, Moses uh, didn't have a cell phone, and, and so we have no, no video of what he saw. But what uh, God said 
while this was going on, is recorded for us in writing. And what God says about himself is nothing short of marvelous and wonderful. And we see that in Exodus 34, uh, 6 and 7. In fact, if you would turn back there, uh, let me just read that because it's, it's such a, uh, such a, a wonderful, um, a wonderful thing that God says about himself. Remember that the chief theologian would be God, right? Who's the best theologian that you can imagine? God himself. The- theology is the study of God, right? Well, if you want to know something about God, the best thing to do is ask God and he'll tell you about himself. And here he tells about himself in Exodus 34, um, beginning in, uh, in verse 5. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. You see what it says here. Um, the Lord passed before him and declared what, uh, what uh, declared his own, him, his own self. He, he declared what his glory consists of. Um, and he, and he, and he tells us merciful, gracious, long suffering, abounding in goodness and truth. Uh, see, uh, here we have a lesson in theology that, 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 that is straight from God himself. And note the emphasis that God himself makes on his mercy and on his wonderful grace, his inclination to forgive. The first six things that God says about himself are all about mercy and grace and, um, and forgiveness. Uh, let me read those again. Merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. You see them, he starts off with these things. And, and this is all very good news. Um, uh, uh, what would we do if God started out with the words, uh, 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 you know, the Lord, the Lord God, filled with wrath, uh, ready to destroy sinners? Uh, that would be pretty ominous, wouldn't it? But no, he starts out, speaking about his divine character being the character of mercy and grace and a desire to forgive. This is very good news for us. And uh, when he says then, after that, that he will by no means clear the guilty, well, you see, this is the problem that's solved by the passage that we have before us in the book of Hebrews that we're studying tonight. Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. How could God be merciful, gracious, long-suffering, etc., and forgive iniquity, transgression, and sin? How could he do that and yet not clear the guilty? Well, God solved this problem by sending us his son. The death of Jesus Christ was a substitutionary death. He died for sinners, as uh, was quoted even this morning in 1 Timothy 1.15, that Christ Jesus came into the world to, to, to save sinners. 
And, uh, well, maybe that was in Sunday school that that was quoted. I don't know. Yeah, it was in Sunday school, wasn't it, that Daniel Slaybaugh quoted for the Sunday school class. Yeah, Christ Jesus is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And that's, and that's the, that's the good news for us. Christ came to be a substitute. It's so that he, he bore our sins on the cross and that's how we're saved. In life, there are many things that we need to do over and over again, aren't there? But there are certain things that only occur once. He uses the word once, both for death, for judgment, and for Christ's death. You live once. You'll die once. You'll stand before God on Judgment Day once. There's no second chance. And perhaps there are those uh, listening that have never heard the gospel before. Maybe there's somebody listening on the Internet that's never heard it before. Well, uh, uh, let me ask, do you know for sure that you'll ever have another chance to hear this message of grace? How do you know that you'll have one more day to hear this message of grace? Or maybe there's someone here, some child here that knows the gospel, but you've been putting it off and you're not... You're not ready to confess Christ and you're, you don't want to give up your life and turn your life over to Christ. Even as a little child, you don't know that you're going to live another day. I don't mean to, don't mean to unnecessarily scare you, but it's just the truth. We know that children die as well as adults. I'm a pretty old man and I expect that you'll come to my funeral. I hope you'll come to my funeral. But you never know. I might come to your funeral. You never know. I would sure hate to see, have that happen, but it's possible. Do you think anybody ever planned to go to hell? You think anybody ever planned to? I'm sure there's nobody that planned to go there. I've heard some uh, very ungodly men boldly say that they're not afraid to go to hell and they look forward to going to hell and having a party with their friends, you know, that kind of talk. Uh, But they won't be so bold when they actually face God's judgment. Uh, So so if you're not a Christian today, I invite you to come to Christ. I invite you. Uh, Christ died once. Uh, to bear the sins of many. Are you one of those many? Uh, uh, the, he offers it to whosoever will. Whosoever will, let him come and take the waters of life freely. And you might be a little child, but you're welcome to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he invites you to come. And I would I would encourage you to pray and, and, and call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. And so I invite you to do so. And for you, Christian, the last sentence is especially for us. Uh, To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. When he appears in his second coming, he won't have to make atonement again. He did that once. He only needed to do it once. Um, But his second appearing will be the climax and the fulfillment of our salvation. When he comes the second time, it's done. Our salvation is done. And we have no more struggles with sin or with uh, the Christian warfare. It's over. We've won the victory. Um, and this is the, one of the ways the Lord's Supper is a means of grace for us. It's an encouragement to wait and to persevere until his coming. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 11:26, it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So you see, we, we partake of it, and we're reminded when we partake of it, not only of what he did to secure our salvation, but also that he is indeed coming again the second time to bring us the fulfillment of our salvation, to bring our salvation to its climax 
in its completion. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the work of our Lord Jesus Christ because there's a lot of bad news for us to have to digest, but the good news swallows up the bad news. It swallows it up for those who would, would receive Christ, for those who would, who would come to him and, and be his. Uh, he will uh, take care of us, Lord, and we thank you for that, that we don't have to fear you on Judgment Day, for all of our sins will be taken care of in Christ. Help us, Lord, and we do pray for any, and especially the children that have not received Christ yet, that they would, they would, this would be the day that they would receive the Lord Jesus Christ and be born again. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.